from KQED. Special session to the California legislature. Not one, but two, wait for it, special sessions this summer uh, to grapple with ways to pay for California's growing health care services and long underfinanced transportation and infrastructure program. That is the focus of a special edition of our California Politics podcast this week. Now, we're calling it special in that we're stepping away a little bit from the hurly-burly of immediate news to consider, I think, the politics at play in these discussions this summer, along with Marisa Lagos of KQED News and Anthony York of the Grizzly Bear Project. I'm John Myers of KQED News. Let's remind everyone really briefly here, the special sessions are a product of the state budget deal that happened in June between legislative leaders and Governor Jerry Brown. This is a a sound and well-thought-out budget, yet our work never uh, ends. We have to continue to work in a very prudent and careful way. And we have to find more resources uh, for our health care and also for our roads and bridges. So there's plenty to do. Plenty to do. More resources needed. That's the way the governor set it up. Now, people should keep yeah. in mind, if you don't know the mechanics of this, not that you have to know it deeply, special sessions are going to run concurrently with the normal legislative business. It's not really that special. Um, one special session, again, devoted to money for transportation, one for a variety of healthcare-related services. Um, guys, let's talk about the political scene here. It seems like everybody who watches the state capitol has agreed when I've talked to them having coffee over the last couple of weeks. Governor was pretty skillful at taking these two hot potatoes out of the budget and moving them to these special sessions and saying, hey, legislature, you own it. The Republicans might use a different word. Right. right. <laughs> They're not so thrilled about this move. But yeah, I mean, and, and to take two issues that regardless of your feeling on revenues, a.k.a. taxes, um, you support, right? I mean, it, it's hard to argue as a lawmaker against transportation funding and even the Medi-Cal stuff while there are, are some you know, fine lines in there. In general, these are health care programs that the, both sides of the aisle, at least in theory, support. So um, got to give it to Jerry, man. Yeah. I mean, he, what he did is he took the the parts of the budget that, st- that would require two-thirds vote and require bipartisan support and just pushed them aside so they didn't want to delay they didn't want a a budget battle like like we've seen in years past you know where it worked the effort to get one or two or three republican votes can take one or two or three months and so i think that that was a large part of the the calculus the political calculus here and why we have these two special sessions and i think you could make the argument that it's not a bad idea to to take these you know, very huge, very important issues and make it a little bit more of a longer and deliberative process. Um, again, I don't think the Republican caucuses agree, but, you know, these are we're talking they're saying almost 60 billion dollars in, you know, transportation, a, a transportation needs. needs. Um in Medi-Cal alone, come next June, a billion-dollar hole uh, for a program that now serves about over 12 million people, almost 12 and a half million people. This is a third of the state's population. Um, and then some, you know, not minor to the people who are impacted by them, from, but from a budget amount, uh, smaller issues around um, in, in-home in supportive services and a 7% sort of temporary increase to those. And then developmentally disabled um, provider rates, you know, not to say those aren't big ticket items, but I think in the grand scheme of things, the Medi-Cal funding is really the one that has to happen in the coming months. Yeah. Well, let's take them one at a time um, to talk about the sessions. But one other broad political point I was going to put on the table here and see what you all talk about, think about it, too, is that so, you know, you, you can come up with lots of pros and cons of the way that this happened, putting the special session. I mean, so, yes, it gives them focus. I would argue also, too, 
it lets everybody know that we think these are important at the risk of being, you know, silly. Mm -hmm. These are special. I mean, like, we get it. We're really going to, you know, spend some time thinking about these. But, of course, right, the other part we talked about after the budget is it is it kind of puts a box around everybody about the revenue amount here, puts a box around Republicans. And I would argue that as we go forward uh, through the summer, the real political fascinating moment is going to be Democrats who are moderate Democrats in the legislature in both houses about revenues, about going up, putting a vote up for revenues, about the, you know, as a result, the friction inside Democratic caucuses. I mean, that's going to be an interesting one to watch. And again, I want to talk about the the two topics in particular here in a moment. But just overarching, that's a dynamic we've seen a lot of over the last few years. And this is really going to put some some attention on it. But again, to your earlier point, the way the governor structured these makes, I think, will make it easier to swallow for some of those mod Dems because of the fact that we're talking about you know, increased revenues for very specific purposes. So it's not just a sales tax increase. It's, you know, it's looking at the way the gas tax has declined and finding a way to replace it, you know, for roads, bridges, things we all use. So I think you're right that there will be some pushback, but I don't think it'll be as great as it would have been if we were talking about, you know, just general fund spending or something that was a little harder for them to sell to both those members and for those members to turn around and sell to their constituents. Yeah, I, I just I think it may still be a little hard, but yeah, that's a, that's a, a reasonable point. There. Well, you now, were going to say something, Anthony? Yeah, on the Medi-Cal tax, I mean, that, it's a little bit different, but there there has been bipartisan support um, for this MCO tax in the past, right? This is a now, but the way it was structured before, I mean, just to get get into the the details of this one a little bit, is uh, is that uh, it was the providers who who actually served Medi-Cal patients. Um, would assess this higher tax. Well, the, and the, the health plans, really, right? right? That that right that that took Medi-Cal. Uh, that well, and and the hospitals too. That that they would that there would be a tax assessed that would allow them to draw down more in federal reimbursements. Now, yeah, let's let me walk let me walk that back just for a moment, just to make sure. I mean, I just because the the state has had all these different versions of a health plan tax for about right. the last ten years, right? And right. and so this current one has this levy on health plans that people who serve Medi-Cal. But the you whole point here, anymore. I think, is that the federal government has said you got to change it. That right. The current system is not good. You've got to, um, what, you've got, it's got to be more broad-based, right? Basically, it's got to apply yeah. to all health plans. And that'll, and that'll be the interesting question, right? Because some of these health plans have been willing to assess a tax on themselves in order to be able to draw down the federal dollars. Um, but now that it's going to be a more of an across-the-board tax, um, I mean, it changes the political equation a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I was talking to the experts at the LAO about this because <laughs> it's complicated. Yeah, and um, yeah, I mean, my understanding is, besides the federal funds, they were also being taxed on the revenues they made from Medi-Cal, essentially. So there's less incentive for other hospitals, other HMOs right. to be taxed on this. That said, I mean, it... it they have to change it. And, you know, I think that it'll be interesting to see what the lobbying power of that of that healthcare establishment is on this. And and if they split because of the fact that there's different incentives. I mean, at its core, though, you know, this and even some of the other issues we mentioned in the healthcare one around provider rates, developmentally disabled support, um, I think is going to be interesting to watch again, because these are generally issues that at least some people on both sides of the aisle support. Um, and then because, you know, it's something that everyone agrees, like, needs to change. And yeah. so, 
you know, and, and we and we do have. I mean, I, I wonder if they might come up with more money from that. Well, let's tax. talk. Let's talk about. Let's talk about. Um, I mean, let's stay on the uh, on the healthcare special session for a moment. So you know, in case you've missed this podcast audience, we have we have convened that extraordinary session. If I had a gavel, I'd, I'd hammer it down here for the sound effect. But um, I mean, in some ways, the the managed care tax that we're sitting here talking about, the MCO tax. I gotta mm-hmm. love that. Um, is kind of the marquee of the special session, in part because it's it's a large chunk of something that ha- that has to has to be fixed in relatively short order because there's this um, this falling apart of the existing structure that the federal government has said we can't keep doing. But um, and I want to get to the ones, Marisa, that you've talked about because the special session has these other elements. But but the MCO part is fascinating to me from this part. The governor put it on the table in January. Mm-hmm. Governor said it again in May when he put out his revised budget. Nothing, due respect to the legislature, but nothing, and everybody in the Capitol, nothing substantive has really happened on that yet. And I wonder, is that because it is so difficult or because everyone needed to get it um, set aside and focused on differently? Because, I mean, the politics here are tricky. I mean, yes, there's support for where the money goes, but you know, Anthony, you just made that great point. Does everybody want to open their wallets in this new universe? And then where is the governor's role in this? Because, again, he put it on the table in January, and we're sitting here in July. I have a different theory. Lawmakers are like college (laughs) students, and they don't do anything until they absolutely have to. So, I mean, I talked to the Assembly Republican leader, Kristen Olson, yesterday, and she said, you know, their caucus is still really studying the issues in this health care session, but she did go out of her way to make the point that this isn't a tax that expires for a full year until next June. So do we really need to be doing it now in the special session? I, You know, I think that's interesting. And I do think that we see this again and again. It's hard to get any traction on practically any issue in Sacramento unless there is a hard deadline looming. This plays into my my hope for a macro deal, a grand bargain, right? Just to revisit 2011 just because I like just because you like it deals (laughs) but talk about that I mean a big deal that would do what though well I mean I get with the prop 30 taxes starting to roll off whether there's a tax policy deal that might include some of the things that Republicans have wanted including regulatory reform sequel reform pensions maybe I'm thinking maybe not Well, that's a really big deal well yeah yeah, but that that was the discussion for (laughs) 2011 and and whether look I mean if Kristen Olson is saying June, that's next year's budget, and you know if and it's also right about the deadline where, um, you know, for the legislature to put something on the 2016 ballot, it just, you know, keep hope alive. What can I say? So, let's talk a little bit, um, just uh, briefly here too about the other elements of the healthcare special session because, uh, you know, the 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 managed care tax and funding the medical stuff has been as I, as we've just been talking about has been on the table for a long time, but. The special session had to incorporate some other elements of the last throws of the budget, right? And so, mm-hmm. for example, it includes a way – it talks about funding two things that are – that well, one that was in the budget and one that wasn't. It talks about funding um, in-home care and mm-hmm. the salaries of people who do that because the, the budget deal – has a uh, very well-noted one-time expenditure of those dollars, but then says we don't have a way to pay for it in the future. And it also, the special session has to deal with, this healthcare special session has to deal with uh, funding for the developmentally disabled. And this money that was supposed to be a restoration of cuts that happened during the recession, that became one of the more 
uh, visible vocal things that you would hear from activists outside the Capitol in the final weeks. Huge disappointment that it didn't go in the final deal. Bipartisan support for it, Republicans and Democrats. But now uh, the governor effectively saying you've got to find additional money for that. And so now you've got these um, you've got outside groups, some who have political power sometimes organize labor through in-home care. Uh, workers, and they've been talking about that for a while, and then groups who who don't have an identified political power in the developmentally disabled, all very focused on those particular things that that uh, were real leftovers from the budget. I mean, the, the yeah. managed care tax may be a, but kind of a leftover, but these are really continuations of budget fights. Again, in- interesting though, to Marisa's point, like the. Uh you know, the, the IHSS issue is resolved through June because it's in this year's budget, right? So it's really about next July going forward. And so it makes you wonder whether it might, there might not be a fracturing of that. And, and um, maybe something like uh, the developmentally disabled piece gets handled first, and then there's you know other things in the special session that are pushed off to later into this year, maybe early next year. Or uh, do the Democrats try to push like one big sort of massive that encompasses right. it all in that for that reason? Because- yep. You know, it's probably easier to come up with one. I I mean, maybe not, but maybe your argument is. Yeah, your argument is like if you're looking for that. Hey, you want this? Then you got to vote for this. Yeah, why decouple it? Also, from a revenue perspective, is there a way to fund all of these through similar mechanisms or the same source? Yeah, and I I also think looking at the special session, it really is interesting. What was not part of the special session? What was handled in the budget? was the Medi-Cal expansion for undocumented immigrants. And, and I, I'm, what that says about the priorities and the, and, and the desire to do certain things before others, I just, um, I, in a year where we're having, uh, you know, an entire session dedicated to healthcare, we have this major policy decision happening, major healthcare policy decision happening in the budget and not being pushed to the special session, uh, which, you know, Imagine how we'd be talking about this special session if that was part of it. Right. The, the politics yeah. of it would be a lot more electric than than they are now. Absolutely. And, and, and it, I want to talk about. Yeah, go ahead, Maurice. Oh, I was just going to say. I think it. You know, it, it also may speak to just the fact that how big of a priority that was for yep. the legislature and how they needed the, the governor needed to give them something. And that's some. I think in in it, from a philosophical perspective, something that he tends to support more than say welfare services, which you know so, you could argue IHSS is. One more we should look at that I think, you know, uh, observers of the political game should watch out of that healthcare special session before we move on to the other special session um, is the Medi-Cal provider rate issue, because that is also in, um, baked into the um, proclamation calling the special session. Uh, we've been talking about it for a long time. People who listen to the podcast will know this has been an ongoing debate since those provider rates were cut back over the last, really over the course of the last decade, but especially during the recession. And of course, we have many more people in the Medi-Cal system now. Uh, the provider rates are are very low when compared to the rest of the country, very, very low. And as a result, you have a lot of doctors who are not seeing Medi-Cal patients any longer. And this is a big campaign, and this is one of those that I point to, I would think, about external pressure as well. We have seen uh, the doctors through the California Medical Mm -hmm. Association and others with a PR campaign over the last few weeks and months pushing about Medi-Cal provider rates, those television commercials that they committed a few million dollars to kind of 
making the point in the public's mind. We think about it in terms of a potential ballot measure for funding next year. This is a this is a big one, and maybe the thing I just said there at yeah. the end, guys, is the thing is that they do have another avenue if they can't get it through mm-hmm. a special session. Well, there's already talk, right? One of the versions of the tobacco tax that's being floated would raise money for Medi-Cal provider rates, and and you know, this all happens in the context where Medi-Cal really the Medi-Cal expansion really is the linchpin to the Affordable Care Act. Um, you know, by expanding it to to single single adults. You know, we now have a third of the state's uh, residents on Medi-Cal, half the state's kids on Medi-Cal. So Which is, is just amazing. Yeah, it, it, this is a big, big deal and an increasingly important part of the healthcare puzzle in California. And I, just to say, too, that, I mean, I think the tobacco tax could come up in this session, but on a, like, sort of more personal level, it, you know, it, in terms of people, you think about how hard it is to navigate the healthcare system if you have private yeah. insurance and how confusing the co-pays and the, the rate structures are. And if you're in this system, as a third of our state is, where some doctors just won't take it. I mean, I really do think that there, you know, there's this really human aspect to all of this that sort of goes beyond the political posturing um, that's really important. And and that I think that the doctors clearly are trying to seize on already. Um, and it'll be interesting because, again, provider rates is something both sides of the aisle say, in theory, they, you know, raising them that yeah. they support. But and, and the director of finance, Michael Cohen, had said in one of the budget press conferences, said something about, you know, they, that the administration might be willing to move on provider rates, provider rates that they've sued to be able to cut, if there was a guarantee that it was actually going to expand coverage and it wasn't just money being pocketed by doctors. I think that's... A major concern mm-hmm. for the Brown administration that that any change in provider rates actually leads to be- a better Medi-Cal system and not just doctors making more money. Let's uh, let's let's uh, gavel down that extraordinary <laughs> session here in the, in the I next know what we're getting you for Christmas. <laughs> what a gavel! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just what I've always wanted, except that I, I got a feeling my five-year-old going to be running around with that. But that's another podcast. So let's gavel in that special session on um, transportation infrastructure funding couple of things that I think are interesting notes. So, of course, out of the governor's uh, proclamation for the special session, he points out some of the dollar amounts that we fund a lot of this infrastructure for transportation, roads, bridges, et cetera, um, through fuel tax revenues, mm-hmm. and that they only fund about $2.3 billion of need every year, but there's an additional $5.7 billion of need on infrastructure projects unmet that we don't have the money for. And then in one of these initial hearings at the legislature that happened uh, the first week in July, uh, the director of the State Department of Transportation said that the average age of bridges in California is 47 years old. And, um, and, and you know, and I think there's a moment here where people can say, you know, some of the funding of transportation and infrastructure needs uh, started to slow down in the first Jerry Brown administration in the 1970s. But that's, you know, wh- why hold him to be consistent on that right now? But... Um, there's bipartisan support here for something, but what is it? And the need is so big. And I mean, you know, this is, um, I don't know. I mean, maybe this doesn't eclipse the health care funding, but I think it does, right? I mean, this is yeah. big, big yeah. money. Oh, and this is, a, this is a crisis that was somehow, in some ways, created by our environmental policy success, right? That increasing the, the fuel, fuel efficiency, efficiency standards yeah. in cars, um, you know, Diminishes the amount of gasoline that's being used, diminishes the amount of tax revenue, but 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 the roads are still being used, and so the need is there. So the trick is sort of how in this higher fuel economy era do we how do we fund um, you find a, 
is there still a use-based system that can work? Right, especially when you look at the gas tax has become, because for that reason, sort right. of a regressive tax. Right. Um, and the fact that, you know, the, the gas tax has decreased the revenues by about a billion dollars a year over the last decade. But as you just mentioned, John, we have almost $6 billion a year in unfunded repairs. So the total price tag they're saying is closer to $60 billion. Um, you know, so I think that what we've seen from the Democrats, um, especially Senator Jim Bell, uh, on the who who heads the transportation committee over there is this idea he's sort of thrown out a lot of ideas and maybe a mix of revenue sources maybe a small you know a ten cent hike in the gas tax and higher registration fees and a gradual increase in the vehicle license fee that VLF oh, man VLF. never dies um, and maybe a fee for electric cars which is something the governor's office has just rejected outright they've made a big push you know on climate change and environmental issues and they don't want to discourage people I mean it's sort of funny right for years we've been giving people incentives to buy these cars. Um, and then I'll just mention, you know, the Republican in the Assembly came out with their own plan that they say they, that we can fully fund $6 billion a year or more with existing resources. Um, using, I would say, a little bit of budget gimmicks in this plan. They're saying take some of that cap and trade money, take about a billion dollars in the general fund because general fund revenues are going to keep growing. Um, lay off, my favorite, lay off 3,500 redundant positions at Caltrans, which the LAO did suggest, but I mean, you got you guys want to make any bets on how easy it is to lay off 3,500 state workers? About as easy Not to, taking that bet. to justify <laughs> cap and trade money for roads, right. which I don't know how you do that either, but um, so, you know, this is where obviously the tension is. There's no disagreement over whether what the needs are. It's how how do you fund them and can you do it with existing revenues, which I, I, I feel like the governor and the Democrats are already saying no. You can't. There's also a tension in this one uh, between state and local, is there not? Because, I mean, um, yep. you know, as I've heard in the early going from some of the advocates for local government around uh, Sacramento who have great concerns about, about how much of the money is going to come to them, what they're going to be able to do with it, how much is going to be the state bigfooting, what about infrastructure? You know, when we think infrastructure needs, I mean, you know, in other words, the driver who sees the pothole doesn't decide whose fault it is. They're just angry there's a pothole. And, and so that blend on how the locals get what they need and are part of it, I mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to be pessimistic for my friends in the transportation community, but I think this is the, in some ways, this is the tougher nut to crack, even Definitely. which seems counterintuitive, even though it is right. the one where there seems to be more bipartisan support. Yeah, but it's a bigger deal, you know, and, yeah. and we've seen folks like uh, Jim Arp and... Uh, and some of the building trades, there's been sort of this this bipartisan um, effort to try to get some funding, but it hasn't it hasn't uh, paid off very well over the last couple of years, and it, it's it's definitely a big lift. But you know, it, the Democrats don't need the whole Republican caucus to get to two thirds. Right. And again, there, I think you know, if you look at their list, there might be a few things in there that that the governor could go for or take some of for, and. Um, you know, oh, the other one I forgot to mention: the eliminate one quarter of vacant state positions for six hundred eighty-five million dollars. Another, oh, piece another, of cake. another labor, just a little <laughs> wrinkle there. Um, but yeah, I th yeah, I, I think everything you just said about the locals is absolutely true, and um, I think you know we should definitely discuss timing here. It does not look like anything serious is going to happen on these until after the legislature's August break. So 
look for some fun Labor Day uh, transportation and healthcare news, guys. Well, and 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 that gets to the timeline, right? Because I mean, people should remember that the legislature um, adjourns for the year, right there around that same time, end, end of August, August, beginning of September, yeah. which means you know, a pressure cooker of time for negotiations. Well, one other thing here as we kind of wrap up this conversation is, um, you know, a special session, we didn't, I didn't talk about this at the top, but, you know, for people who don't watch every moment of it, some of it is symbolic. Some of it is uh, procedural, um, you know, like you can get a bill, um, you can get a bill enacted into law faster. You don't have the longer delay, but some of it is symbolism. But couldn't this also result in just putting something on the 2016 ballot sure. for mm-hmm. voters to have to fund rather than taking the hard vote about actually taxing or something here, pushing it forward to the voters? Yeah, the profiles encourage approach. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, and especially as you know, Anthony mentioned the tobacco tax. I mean, there's already. Things percolating out there that dovetail with this. So I think there's definitely a chance that this could be coming to a ballot near you. All right. And with that, that is a perfect, perfect ending. I that try. is like full of optimism. <laughs> <laughs> look, look at I, it's like It's like I've been doing radio my whole life. Exactly. <laughs> with that, that's Marisa Lagos from KQED News and alongside Anthony York from the Grizzly Bear Project. I'm John Myers from KQED News. As always, thanks for listening to this California Politics Podcast. We'll see you next time.